one sat alone beside the highway begging his eyes were blind the light he could not see he clutched his old rags and shivered in the shadows then jesus came and bade his darkness flee it's time to open the word once again with evangelist lester roloff on the family altar program for all is changed when jesus comes to stay I was reading night before last, before I went to sleep, in the book of First Corinthians. And I don't know why, but I'm supposed to read it today. And I'm going to read some of it. I don't know how much I'm going to read. But I want to begin reading uh, at verse uh, 18, chapter 1. First Corinthians 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. I'll destroy, verse 19, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. We're in that process now. It'll soon be over. The smart addicts are having their day right now. The intellectuals, brain twisters, and uh, the brass hat, I mean, they're having their day. It'll soon be over. But all they're going to do now is ruin this civilization we're living in. That's all they've done. That's what colleges have done. That's what universities have done. That's what professors have done. Why? Because they've undermined the faith of the people in Jesus Christ. And, Brother Wilbur, we got people living in this country today. They not only refuse to believe in the Lord, they hate the name of the Lord. I mean, there, there, there used to be a time, Gene, when you could go out and witness. You'd never have anybody cuss you out. But I'll guarantee you, when you mention that name Jesus today, Brother, you've had it. I mean, you might as well, and the time's going to come. You can't imagine what it's going to cost a man to witness. It'll be dangerous for anybody to walk down the street passing our tracks or mentioning the name of Jesus in this country. You watch what I'm talking about. I mean, we're, 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 this thing is being infiltrated uh, with infidels and with people that they hate the name of Jesus. And so he said it's just foolishness, really, preaching the cross to them that perish foolishness. But God said, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise. He said, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Perhaps that in the wisdom of, of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Now then I want you to turn to the next verse or two, verse 26, if you will. For you see, you're calling brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not. Now that's when those knots in the Bible I'm going to preach on one of these days. God chose something that was not. God took something that wasn't anything and made something out of it. I, the Lord gave me another message this morning. Uh, about 4.30, I woke up, and I had to turn on the light and, and jot down a few things. I'm going to raise a question one of these days, and I'd like to ask the smart aleks of this generation, where were you on creation morning? I just want to ask these blowhards, 
what they were doing when everything got built. Now, some of them may be dumb enough to say I was there helping him because they wasn't. But, I mean, I just want to know. I mean, when God stepped out on the ledge of nowhere and began to speak great worlds into being, I mean, where in the world was man? I mean, you don't suppose God could do that by himself, do you? I mean, where was this bunch of stinking modernists that have to help God out all the time? Where were you when, I mean, I wonder where the head of the music department was when the morning stars sang together. Have you ever thought about uh, just where man was when God put this thing together? You reckon where all the contractors and architects were on that morning? These fellas that can uh, design these big buildings and, and, and put them so high in the air, 50 stories or more, and then put them about that deep in the ground till they get to the rock. I mean, with all their blueprint and reading those prints, I mean, reckon where those fellas were when God decided to make the world. I imagine they'll be just about where they are when he finishes it up. They'll just be about that important. But we think now that we've got a hold of this thing, and we're going to run it. And the only thing we've done is tear up everything we've ever put our hands on. It's taken man 2,000 years after coming of Christ, uh, and, and it, it, it's taken man 2,000 years after heavenly astronauts landed on uh, the summit conference of that transfiguration. It's taken us 2,000 years to even get up to the moon. And uh, it didn't anything get accomplished by it, except spend a lot of money. But I'm trying to say this, brother, Man's not half as smart as he thinks he is. And, we're, and God's bringing to naught the wisdom of the wise. He's going to make us look like the biggest bunch of nuts that you've ever seen. Say, did you know over in Great Britain the other day they had a big meeting? And this is what they discussed. I mean, every one of them. Now, these fellows, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't one of these Christian meetings either. I mean, it wasn't one of these fellows with a bunch of fanatics like me there, you know, talking about the coming of the Lord, you know, and the prospects of the future. And how wonderful it is to be a Christian. And we have nothing to be afraid of. Those fellows got in there. I mean, the brass hats and the smart elects and educa educated fellows. And they got in there. And so they discussed, what is 2,000 going to be? And so these fellows, they, they began to blast off. I mean, some of them counted down. Some of them, you know. But when it came to that, you know what that article said? Can you imagine this? They said, we don't believe there'll be anything in 2000. Those fellas, I mean, those fellas are supposed to have, but they too are afraid of what's fixing to happen. Now, I don't believe there's going to be a thing in 2000 except what we have in Christ. I, I think that's all we're going to have left. But I got news for you. That's all we've got right now. Why, we've got an insane generation on our hands. We've got broken homes and shattered hopes and uh, we've got cold churches, and we've got alcoholics and dope addicts, and we've got little old children in trouble, wherever you go. Isn't that sad? What in the world's happening in this country? Ah, uh, listen. But the only thing we've got to work with is people. Just people. I'm not, I don't care about these dogs and cats and cows and, and all these. Uh, I, I'm not interested in that one lick, but i tell you one thing. If somebody's involved that's got an immortal soul and he's going to go to hell when he dies, or are we going to win him to crash while he lives? Then I ought to care. And if that's not what you're interested in, I'll tell you, we're sure not on the same team at all. 
and it don't make a difference. Ourselves don't count. We don't. It's not one lick of our business about ourselves. We're dead in Christ, and we'd seek those things to be above. We read last night. Well, I know one thing. You remind me every time I read this. He said, "I didn't call you because you're smart, or because you had a ability, or talent, or education." He said, "Not many mighty, not many noble are called." Now, verse uh, chapter two. We'll have to. We'll have to uh, go right into that. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I determine not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. That'll solve our problems right there. You remember I made a statement last night? It's so fleshly and human to talk about our problems instead of the person. See? And when you get to talking about your problems, people get involved. And if I talk about problems, I'll mention old Jesus. Because more than likely, he's got a problem this morning, somewhere. I may not ever find out about it, but I bound you for got him down in the woods and said, Now, Gene, come on, fess up. Just come clean with me, buddy. I've known you for many years from the time you gave those cigarettes up that night and God worked a real miracle. But come on now, tell me! He said, Brother Wolf, I just didn't want to bother you with it, but I got a little problem here, huh? You see? But we'd both backslide while we go on this problem. But I tell you what we'd do. If I got to discussing Jesus with him, we'd both have revival. If I got talking about the person, if we got to rejoicing, and old, every time old Gene tells me, he said, you know, praise the Lord, that man, he got me, you know, and he got saved, and he got fixed, and he got right. And, I mean, we both enjoy that, you see. So, uh, there's not anybody here hasn't got any problems. And if you haven't got any problems, I don't know how to talk to you in hell. Because I got some here. I've had problems ever since I've been uh, living, you know. And uh, I guess uh, everybody has. But he said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now the greatest Christian in the world is fixing to say something. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You know as much, I said as much, as sometimes that maybe I hate to admit it, when I'm weak and I'm a strong. I mean when I get to the place, you know this week I, I was talking to Brother Weather and I, I just, I just kind of threw in a sponge. I really did. I just threw in a sponge. I said now, you know, and I, I guess maybe I was so weak, I couldn't move hardly. I just tired. I'd been up day and night and, and hadn't rested. And uh, no matter what kind of food you eat, how much you drink, fast, and we've been fasting and praying, you know, and uh, somehow or another the devil made his attack. And I said, well, I'll tell you, I'm just not going to press myself anymore. But, you know, uh, pressed out of measure and so forth. I'm not going. I'm just canceling. I'm through. I'm just, I don't think I'll go. I tell you, it doesn't pay to give up. It just doesn't pay to give up. God's still able. And so he said, when I'm weak, then am I strong? For my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, he said, I'll just glorify the Lord. All right, he said, my speaking was, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I want to go to the third chapter because this is where I think we'll spend the rest of our time. And I'm going to depend on the Lord to say what needs to be said. And I, brethren, now who's that? That's Christians. I'm still talking to the brethren. And I believe most of you here are saved. And I believe the ones that are not saved want to be saved. And you could be saved right now. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Well, now, wait a minute. What's the difficulty? We should have fed you with milk, not with me. For hitherto you were not able to bear. Neither yet now are you able. And of course you realize the word meat there doesn't just mean hog meat or cow meat or beef. It, it just means even as the Bible says, vegetables, 
I mean, a good solid diet. I mean, like carrots or turnips or beets or greens. I mean, you know that often that's referred to in the Bible uh, as the meat. And so he said, uh, I, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't feed you a good diet at all, because he said you're yet carnal. How can you tell you're carnal? But he said, among you envy, strife, divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? As long as is that true? If I'm jealous, if I'm envious, if there's any strife, if there's any division, well, he said, you're carnal, and you're walking like men now. You're going back into the world. For while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planted anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, this is what he said. He said, the man that plants is nothing. The man that waters is nothing. But God's everything. He said, God is the one that gives the increase. Let's read on. Now, he that planted, verse 8, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Just one, that's all. See, we, one's planting, one's water, but we're both just one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. That's true. For we're laborers together. We're laborers together. Let's divide that little word up. T-O is two. G-E-T is get. What's the rest of it? That's her, isn't it? So that means we, we're laborers to get her. But we better get him too, hadn't we? Yeah. So we're going to do that with God. We're laborers together with God. You're God's husband, Brent. You're God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I've laid the foundation, another builder thereon, but let every man take heed how he build it thereupon. Now then, we're coming into the testing time. We're coming up to the judgment. Here we are. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed. Now, let's stop a minute. He said it looks like he's pointed out two foundations, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. Now, when we come up, he said every work is going to have to be tested. It's going to be tried. And he uses the little word F-I-R-E, fire. Now I want to ask you one question. What's going to go through the fire? Wood, hay, stubble, or gold, silver, and precious? Mm -hmm. Now I'm not through. I'm not through. What is the gold? It's the word of God. What if you all don't get in the word of God? But if you happen to get saved, I mean, just barely enough with the Word of God, your works are going to be wood and stubble. They're going to be burned. Job said, uh, I've esteemed thy word more than my necessary food. The psalmist said, uh, it's more precious than gold. And Peter said, more precious than gold would be tried with the fire, that it might be found the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that's going to stand you in good stead while you live and when you die and stand before him. That's the word of God. That's all. It's this old book, buddy. And I say again, and I know sometimes it agitates the flesh, but if I could just get you to see it, if y'all would ever get as interested in eating the word of God as you are eating those three meals a day and whatever you can get in between meals, I guarantee you got it made. You've got her made. Anytime you, you let an old boy get so burned about the word of God and just about his spiritual ignorance and said, listen, Bob or somebody else tell the chef and the cook, y'all go ahead and have the blessing now. I mean, don't wait on me because uh, I'm tied up. 
I mean, I'm bogged down in the book. I mean, I, I mean, not in a self-righteous way now, see? And don't come running out there after a while and say, well, you bunch of gluttons, I fasted myself. No, I mean, that to me, you you worse off than they are. I mean, if there's anything I hate, it's a bunch of stinking self-righteousness. I mean, I tell every boy in jail and prison I preach to, I said, well, man, you haven't done anything that I haven't already done or couldn't do except by the grace of God. I mean, I guarantee you I'd be as bad as you. I think I'd be a good deal worse, really, if it hadn't been for what Jesus has done for me. And so I don't you ever think, you know, one of the reasons I'd never touch a drink, I think if I ever got to drinking, I'd tell you, I, I'd, I imagine I'd really make a whiz-bang for the devil, but I don't ever intend to do that because I'm not going to take that first drink. You say, wouldn't you like to just taste it? No, I wouldn't just like to taste it. Wouldn't you like to just take a little bit of LSD just to know what it'll do? No, sir. You say, well, man, you could go on a trip. I got news for you. I'm on a trip now. And I'm enjoying that trip, too, boys. And the thing is, I'm, I got good sense when I leave and when I come back. I mean, along the way, I'm having... And so then you don't have... You know, here's the thing I've been trying to say to you. If you've got everything in Christ, the devil can't give you nothing. Now, the devil, he's a peddler and a liar and a deceiver. He'll come up with his little wagon so loaded. And, and, and it'll just be a bunch of little tinker toys, you know, kitty cars and play parties and grown people out there. Can you just see them out there, boy, they're just drooling? Ooh, I'd like to have some of that. I'd like to have some of that. Oh, I haven't had any like that, and I wish I had Uh-huh. But I tell you what if you did, if you walked out plumb full of heaven and grace, I mean, so loaded down with heavenly benefits, you walk out there, and the old devil would look at you with that nice smile, you know, and wink at you and said, Help yourself. Well, I don't know who you are, but I'm loaded already, don't have a lick of room. So what have you got in that wagon? Pull it. I might uh, need some if it wasn't loaded, but I'm completely running over. Amen? And that's what the Bible said, all things are yours. So how in the world could the devil put anything on you if you're already loaded? That's what's wrong. Most people are too empty. And the devil sees a golden prospect in just about everybody because he come by empty and he said, man, they could hold a lot of my stuff. I mean, he's got storage rooms and never had anything in them. I'll just, I'll just store a bunch of my junk in him. And there he goes. Then you wonder why you're miserable and I'm happy. I tell you, loaded with the wrong kind of junk. That's right. All right, going to have to be tested. Every man's work. Didn't say something. Every man's work shall be made manifest. They shall declare it. Fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, did you get it? Did you know that your work is not going to be tried or its amount or abundance, but by the sword. Now, you know what? I'd rather have one good watermelon than to have 15 rotten ones. Just give me one good old, sweet, precious peach rather than to give me a whole bunch of old worm-eating junk that's soured and gone bad. Now, I believe that we need to emphasize the, the, the sort of fruit we're going to reckon. God wants us to have the right sort. We ought to have the right sort of spirit. We ought to have the right sort of a life. We ought to have the right sort of our giving and our service. And so he said, what sort it is? What sort it is? Now then, let's go a little further. He said, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is the fire. You know, I've only had one experience, really, in my life. And it's been 35 years ago now. And they said, Brother Olaf, a loved one. She's so sweet and fine. One of the greatest families. She had an old daddy. Must have been 90. And said, I'm not sure that he's ready. And uh, said, you'll preach the funeral. And sure enough, I did. And said, would you go see him? And I said, I sure will. 
And I went into his bedside, and I called him Brother Mac. I said, Brother Mac. He said, yeah, old man. I said, uh, I want to ask you something, and you tell me. I said, are you saved? I mean, I, I, do you know that you're saved? That old man lifted up his voice and looked at me, and, and really, uh, it, it, it was pathetic. I mean, it was a sad look on his face. And he looked up like a little child and said, so has my father. I never had a man answer me like that on his deathbed, but he did. He said, so has my father. And the old man, at 90 years of age, was weeping on the inside, Gene, because he said, all my works are going to be burned. Just lived in wood and stubble. Not just three score and ten, but add another twenty to it. And I wasted it all. Wonder what you folks would say about that if you was on your deathbed today. And I came in and I said, uh, how about it? Is it where with your soul? What would you say? Are you saved? Would you say, have, well, so is my fire. My soul's going to get in. My works are going to stay out. Oh, there's going to be a bonfire of the silly, fleshly, selfish indulgences of this old world. What about it? I'm just asking you a question. Now then, he said, know, the, know you not that you're the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You know what I believe that means? I believe if a man smokes, if a man smokes cigarettes, that destroys the temple. That means God's going to kill you. Oh, you, you uh, God's, uh, I mean, in a sense, you kill yourself, but I mean, that's your destruction right there. You put enough nicotine on the inside, it'll kill you. I guarantee you. You'd be surprised to know what's going on on the insides of people today. If you just knew the stuff that you're putting in there and what it's doing to you and what's already cranked up, see, and what's already gnawing on the inside. See, God means business. He, he knows exactly. He said, now, you define the temple. You take dope. Dope is a foreign substance. I don't care what it is. You can call it pet pills. You can call it uh, marijuana. You can call it LSD. You call it, I mean, all that. You're going to kill yourself. God says you're destroying the temple, and, and God said, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you apart. I'm going to kill you, and that's it. I mean, and God means that. He means that. And uh, so he's just simply saying, if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which the temple of God. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it's written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they're vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men for all things. Look at this. We're going to get two great statements in close. All things are yours, whether Paul or Pollux or Cephas or the world or life or death, our things present, our things to come, all are yours. But that's not in a period there. I mean, there's not any stopping place. It's just sort of a uh, semicolon there. He said, and you're Christ, and Christ is God's. Now, here we are. We're all bound up in one bundle. Every one of us in one bundle. And he said, all things are yours. And he said, all are yours. He said, you're Christ, and Christ is God's. What a tremendous company we're in. What a permanent arrangement God has made. You know, a while ago I thought of something, and with this I'm through. You know, uh, many years ago I read, and this came to me a while ago, and I wonder 
one thing. How much do you care whether people are saved or lost or not? Do you have any burden for lost people? Do you have any real concern for people that are without Christ? The worst thing in the world can ever happen to man is just to be without Christ. Just not know, save, not know the Savior, not be saved. But you know, there was a senator, one of our senators that had an old daddy. Never forget reading this many years ago. And uh, the ambassador from a foreign nation would come to see uh, Brother Wedlin. So he, uh, he said, now, Dad, he said, I want you to meet the ambassador. That's a great friend of mine. And he said, when he comes now, said, I'm, I'm going to get you a new suit. And said, I'm going to dress you up. And said, we're going to have a big dinner. And we're going to have the ambassador. And sometime during that uh, festival time and that uh, wonderful time, with my friend as an ambassador from another nation, I want you to come downstairs, and I'm going to come get you. I know you're feeble, but I'll come get you. And from his room up there where he lived, and he said, I'm going to bring you down. So sure enough, the ambassador came, and uh, he he was uh, he was he was a very great gracious man. He was a very gracious man. He was a very he, he was a fine statesman, and he was so grateful for the arrangements. And sure enough, uh, the son went up the stairs, and he said, Dad. He said, uh, let's, let's get ready. And I tell you, he got his old daddy ready. He was quite feeble, but I tell you, he dressed him up and he trimmed his mustache and his uh, beard back in those days and hit, hit the old man with snow white. And he came up walking uh, down the stairs with his old daddy. And uh, his hearing wasn't real good. And, and uh, he, he was feeble. And he walked up and he said, uh, his son said, uh, to the ambassador, I want you to meet my old daddy. And uh, the old daddy said, I'm glad to meet you. He said, is it well with you, sir? And the senator was just embarrassed. He said, you'll have to excuse my dad. Said, uh, he just feels like he's got to ask everybody, including ambassadors, if they're right with the Lord. Said, he's just very religious. Said, dad, spend another way all of his life. Been a wonderful dad. Said, I know you'll understand, won't you? The man said, yes, indeed. The old man was led back up the stairs after asking that all-important question, is it well with your soul? Not long after that, the old man took his flight, and before the funeral service could be held, a telegram came from the ambassador of another nation. He said, dear friend, I send my warmest sympathy and my love in memory of the only man in America that asked me, is it well with your soul? Thank you for joining us today on the Family Altar Program with Lester Roloff. You may listen to the preaching and the special music of the Family Altar Program 24 hours a day when you visit our ministry website, roloff.org. We love hearing from our listeners. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please write to us at Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. Again, that's Roloff Evangelistic Enterprises, P.O. Box 100, Fort Thomas, Arizona, 85536. This broadcast is made possible by the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. Thank you for partnering with us, and remember that Christ is the answer.